Perfect blossom is a rare thing. You could spend your whole life looking for one, and it would not be a wasted life. That is a quote from Katsumoto from the movie The Last Samurai, a 2003 film by director Edward Zwick. The Last Samurai is a beautiful movie. It was captivating. Its scenery, its people, its customs, the story of a man doomed by his own past finding retribution and solace in his imprisonment amongst the people he does not know and was told were his enemy. The Last Samurai featuring Tom Cruise and Ken Watanabe was a well-done film based on a real-life story, but like many Hollywood films, took liberties. How close to the real story was it? That's what we're going to go over today in this episode of Hollywood Lies. So let's start with the man that was the focus of Tom Cruise's character, Captain Algren. Algren? Algren? I don't know why I said it like that. I think I said it like that because I watched the movie recently. <laughs> and the people in uh, the village of Katsumoto uh, would say it like Algren. And <laughs> it, was, it was entertaining. So who is Captain Algren? Well, Captain Algren was actually based on a real French officer named Jules Brunet or Brunet. Not positive how to pronounce that. He was sent to train Japanese warriors to use modern weapons and tactics as part of Emperor Meiji's desire to bring Japan into the 19th century. At the time, Japan was far behind the rest of the world, and Meiji, Meiji, not positive about that either, was seeking to not only bring Western ideas and technologies to Japan, but he was also trying to reestablish his power as emperor in a divided nation. At the time, power split between the emperor and the leader of the Takugawa shogunate, Yashinobu. Now, it's not that the power was split between them, it's just that Yashinobu's shogunate, which are shoguns, which are warriors, were the deciding factor in all military proceedings. They were the elite class of warriors tasked with protecting Japan and the emperor. He led a faction of elite samurai as part of a military dictatorship that had been in place since 1192. Yashinobu was tricked into giving power to the emperor by simultaneously dissolving the Takugawa house, the shogunate. Supposedly, this plan was actually concocted by some powerful Japanese houses that convinced or tricked the emperor into backstabbing Yashinobu. You see that in the film with Omaru, who is this magnate who... Uh, I guess is probably the most influential person in Japan other than the emperor and has the ear of the emperor. He's the the man that brings the railroads. He's depicted as a person that brings all of these Western technologies and people and dignitaries and ambassadors over to Japan to learn the ways of the West 
and modernize Japan. But in reality, it was a bunch of people, a bunch of families that were convincing to the emperor. Um, these were well-laid families that had centuries of, you know, prosperity and, and wealth and were able to, to convince uh, the multitudes within the imperial government that in order for Japan to succeed and to, to thrive, they needed to modernize, which isn't untrue, but the way it was done was supposedly incorrect. But how, how are we actually to judge that? I am getting into history. <laughs> this isn't a history podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm not here to teach you. Okay, so let me just continue with my notes. <laughs> um, okay, so having con- you know uh, tricked Yashinobu, into basically giving up the rights of the shogunate. This resulted in the brutal Boshin War of 1868 and 1869. This is where Jules Burnett enters. A lot, you'll see a lot of similarities between what actually happened and what's in the movie, but it's not all true. But let's get into this. He was already in Japan as part of the plan to bring Japan into the modern world. He was actually sent by Napoleon III as a response to Yoshinobu's call for aid in training all of Japan's forces in the use of modern weapons and tactics. Yoshinobu, as being the supreme military leader of Japan, who worked for the emperor, oversaw all of this. And was the way he was tricked was he was told that they were trying to modernize all of Japan into the 19th century with uh, warfare and tactics, as well as, you know, with um, commerce and with trade and with um, clothing and every aspect of their lives they're looking to modernize. Now, the samurai at the time, led by Yoshinobu, Nobu, were not for a complete modernization of Japan. A lot of their history and their culture and everything was was ingrained in tradition. And so there were aspects of it that they weren't looking for, but the modernization of their weaponry and their tactics seemed more appealing, at least for a military leader who's looking to make sure that they keep their strength at its maximum. Because now they're starting to see ships come in from other countries, and they know that they are no longer outcasts of the, the world. They're not, they're, not, um, they're not guarded. They're not safe anymore. Now they have to modernize a bit in order to defend themselves. So it was actually Yoshinobu's idea to bring in different dignitaries, different people to train them. And he actually wrote a letter to Napoleon III's um, government, not necessarily Napoleon himself, but they were looking to the French for aid. It is only after the emperor's plot to dissolve the shogun and their titles and land He's looking to take away all titles and land of the shogunate, because within the shogunate, you do have military leaders, but you also have families that were within them that are in, of influence. And you have, there's a council, and you have some of them are actually on the council as well. So once that is uncovered, Yoshinobu realizes that he has been duped into asking for aid. This is where the war starts, and Brunette seems to immediately side with the Shogun against the Imperial troops. Brunette accompanied the Shogun to Kyoto to deliver a letter warning the Emperor of a battle should he insist to strip the Takugawa of their status. 
They were met by imperial troops led by the influencing families of the decree and were fired upon, thus bringing about the Boshan War. So before they were even able to get to the emperor, they already they were um, they were met with force. The shogun outnumbered the imperial troops three to one, but they were outmatched in weaponry. We're talking they had fifteen thousand shogun against three thousand imperial troops. So rifles, howitzers, gatling guns versus swords, and the few weapons that the shogun were able to take with them from the training, whatever they were able, you have to assume that they were able to take some, but probably not enough when there was a split. But even so, most of them weren't accustomed to using these weapons and probably with honor would rather use the sword. So you're looking at the weaponry of the imperial troops against swords and a few weapons and some bows, it wasn't enough. That battle lasted four days and was a decisive victory for the Imperial troops, not only because they devastated the Shogun, but also because several of the feudal lords switched sides and abandoned the Shogun. Burnett and the Shogunate's Admiral Enomoto Takeaki, Takeaki, we'll just go Admiral Enomoto, fled with the remaining samurai to the north, to Edo, which is the modern-day Tokyo. At this point, the emperor ordered all French advisors and leaders to leave Japan since Brunette and another dignitary were training and aiding the enemy of the state. Brunette convinced Napoleon III that it was in France's best interest that he remain and fight with a number of his estimate to be around 50,000 soldiers that would be favorable to France should anything happen. Apparently, this was acceptable because he wasn't ordered to return. However, it also meant that he would be without the protection of France, since France was no longer allowed to be there, unless they were successful in their fight against the imperial state. No one knows the real reason why Brunette stayed, but just like in the movie, some assumed his motivations were influenced by the military spirit of the samurai. Brunette supported the shogun in several battles within the Boshin War, but due to their dwindling numbers and inferior weapons, the Tokugawa house was defeated in June of 1869. Burnett eventually found safe passage back to France via Vietnam, where he continued his military career with honors, and his friend the Shogun Emeril, or Admiral Enomoto, whom he stood with until the end of the war, was pardoned by the emperor and rose to the rank of Vice Admiral of the Imperial Navy. He used his position to convince the Japanese government to not only pardon Brunette, but to also warn him with many accolades, including the prestigious Order of the Rising Sun. So Brunette, as Algren, was seen favorably by the Shogun. Apparently he led with honor, as opposed to whatever the military state was trying to do at the time. We don't know exactly what it is that happened. It's not all black and white as the movie would suggest, but we have to assume that tradition was favored by the Shogun as opposed to uh, modernizing, and they were looking to keep as much of that tradition as possible. If you look at the samurai warriors, even depicted in the film, there are proud people that fight with honor and courage, but also live a specific way that everything that they do is perfectly done or they have to do with their utmost ability. So to take away that and, and push it into Western civilization where they have to assume people are, are more rash 
and do things clumsily, it was seen as dishonor. So what is the actual story compared to the movie? Where are the differences? I mean, a lot of it actually sounds pretty close. Burnett, obviously a French captain, is not Tom Cruise, an American captain who has been through many battles but ended up taking up drinking as a a way to cope with the regret of some of the things that he has seen or been a part of. We don't know what Burnett has been through. We know that he was a warrior in his own way and was able to train these people and had a heart for the samurai. But we don't know exactly what he was actually thinking. There weren't books like Algren was a, a note taker and, and a journal writer and would, would depict his trials and his day-to-day activities in written language. We don't have that from Burnett. We don't know exactly what he was thinking, but they seem pretty similar. Some of the battles even are pretty similar, but they're not exactly true. So yes, there was a, a rift between the shogun, the samurai, and the government. The emperor was looking to modernize in a, in a big way, where the samurai were looking to, to hold on to not only tradition, but also, arguably speaking, their military control over Japan. I don't know who's right or wrong. I mean, if you think about it, there was a lot of power that came with Yashinobu's warriors. I mean, he was basically co-emperor. Again, I'm getting into history. Okay, let's stick with... (laughs) I just find it... it, It's a really cool story. And um, the movie was very good. So let's actually look at the differences and what, you know, actually happened compared to what the movie depicted. Now, the movie starts... Uh, with Algren going into Japan in 1876. The Battle of the Boshin War, which he's supposed to be, you know, uh, involved in, was in 1868 and 1869. So it's already 10 years past the time of this war. The final battle, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead, but the final battle where he's um, fighting alongside Katsumoto and the entire Katsumoto army and the Shogun warriors are all decimated by Gatling guns and cannons, or howitzers, that battle did not take place until 1877. Now, that battle supposedly was true, and the emperor at the time, or not the emperor, but the, uh, the leader of the Shogun at the time was killed in that battle. And as far as we know, so was everybody else. But Brunette had nothing to do with that. So right off the bat, we have an issue with timing. Two, Algren, played by Tom Cruise, is obviously not a French captain. Why they decided to go with an American background? I mean, America was part of the influence for the westernization of Japan. But in order for them to pick Tom Cruise over, you know, Tom Cruise's Algren over a French captain, I guess we have to assume that Tom Cruise is brought aboard. And I, I have never heard him do accents, <laughs> but I'm assuming... His French probably wasn't great, so they probably just stuck with the American version. Maybe it was because it was also, it was a 2003, maybe it was seen more favorably as having an American there instead of a French person. I don't know. But Algren was not the actual person, but a lot of what he represents is basically what Brunette was. So you have to look at that and and say, well, they did kind of get some of that right. 
you know, the timing and the nationality wasn't, but what he did there and, and the side that he chose was correct. Now, he was a part of the samurai, you know, he was brought back with them, or, but in, in the movie, he's a prisoner of war. In the movie, he's there to train the imperial government, the imperial troops, to fight Katsumoto, which basically is the samurai, the shogunate. But in, in reality, he was brought in by the shogunate to train everybody, all sides, because at the time there were no sides. But then he chose, when there was a split, when it was found out that the imperial government, whoever was leading the emperor, was looking to dissolve the shogunate, he decided to go with the samurai and fight alongside them. He probably found honor in them. You know, he probably saw them as an honorable people. And maybe he, you know, fell in love with their customs. Um, obviously, he fell in love with the people in a, in a way. We don't know his motives completely. But we have to assume that whatever it was, it was he didn't see the imperial side favorably. So that in itself is a big shift from the movie. In the, in the movie, you see two battles, basically, and a coup where they, they save Katsumoto. You see the first battle where the Imperial troops are sent to uh, fight Katsumoto's samurai and are decimated by the samurai because they're unskilled warriors at the time. But in reality, whether or not that battle happened, I, there were several battles that are somewhat like that. The Imperials were well-trained, as were the samurai. It's just the Imperials had better weaponry. They have the distance. I guess if they got close up, then the swords obviously would be better than a bayonet. But the range of howitzers and gatling guns and rifles was far superior. Now, the samurai rebels did have some weapons. Because, like I said before, they were all trained together. And when they separated, I guess Brunette, um, and there were other military leaders from France, uh, one in particular that he was joined, uh, that joined Burnett, they obviously took some of those weapons with them, or if they had them in their, their lodging or whatever, they were able to bring those, but they just, you can't travel with, in the way that they were, with cannons and gatling guns, those would be much harder to take. So they, they did have some of those weapons, but it wasn't enough. So the last battle that is depicted in the film is not a battle that actually happened while Brunette was there. Um, he did fight in several battles, like I said before, a, a few major ones. But every time, the Shogun were completely outnumbered as far as militarily speaking, or weaponry. So they lost basically every battle. Now, it, as the battles were happening, you know, after, after they would lose, basically the Shogun would, would go north. And they would basically island hop because, you know, uh, Japan is a series of islands much like Hawaii and they would have to go up and up and up and every time that they would go up they would be met with more forces and more forces and more forces until finally the military leaders of the shogunate were basically decimated and left to you know if, if they weren't killed they they ended up changing sides there weren't many many remaining that were still loyal to the, the shoguns I mean even Yoshinobu ended up going back to the emperor and basically deciding that he would allow for the modernization of his warriors and, and, and give up. 
Well, his admiral, who fought alongside his admiral, what was his name again? His uh, Enomoto, who fought with Brunette, was a loyalist to the traditional shogun and what Japan meant, was meant to be for them. And they had loyalists that continued to fight and would not, would not uh, give in. They had the spirit of these warriors that were that lived by honor and by code and by tradition. They fought until the last person. Once the final battle for Brunette was solidified, once that was finished and bringing an end to the Boshan War, basically decimating samurai, it was over. He had to leave because his head was, you know, he was a wanted person still, but now they, they really want him because he fought against the emperor. And I am just speaking over and over again in circles. Okay, so the final battle that came in 1877, which had nothing to do with the Boshin War, um, was years after Brunette had finally left Japan. That um, rebellion at the last battle was organized by the samurai leader Sago Takamori. Uh, he was basically the inspiration for Katsumoto. And um, he led a great and final samurai rebellion called the Battle of the Shiriyama, and he fell, just as Katsumoto did in that final battle in the movie. We don't know, again, how he fell in the movie. Katsumoto is aided by Algren, Tom Cruise's character, in uh, basically taking his own life. But he was shot, like, many times <laughs> by a Gatling gun. Um, we don't know the details of, the, of what happened in that final battle, but it, it, that's where they took the, that battle from, is the actual true story of the Battle of Shiryama. Again, this battle was in 1877 and had nothing to do with the Boshin War. That was long concluded, and Brunette was already back in France doing other things. So the real story is close. I should say the movie is close to the real story in some of the, the people and the uh, circumstances. Brunette seems to be pretty close to Algren and in the fact that he was with the samurai and fought alongside them and you know the modernization and everything of Japan but the timing was wrong the some of the characters were wrong obviously you have to make it you know it's Hollywood but I mean they did a pretty good job with sticking with some of the story it's just it was wrong time periods and certain things didn't happen but um Again, I was actually reading about it, and it was kind of fascinating, some of the story behind Brunette and, and the real details behind the Boshin War. Like I said before, it's not all black and white. All the, all the, the things that were going on in, in moderniz modernizing and going against the traditional, uh, you know, each side had their own validity, but we don't know, you know, who was, who was seen as good. In the movie, obviously, the modernization was seen as bad uh, because of people like Amar Amaru. Umaru. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in the movie, the emperor isn't seen as bad. And uh, from what I'm reading, the emperor wasn't bad in the true story, true life, true history. <laughs> but we don't know every detail. We don't know what led to what and, and, and what. And now we're 150 years later. This is where we are. That made no sense. <laughs> so anyway, the movie was really good, actually. Uh, I, I do enjoy it. It was, you know, held up for a lot of awards, uh, including four Oscar nominations and some other things. Uh, it won some international awards, um, including one of Japan's highest film awards. And um, there was one thing that I that really caught my eye. 
um, an award that was given to the movie in 2017, and uh, more specifically to Tom Cruise. And this is actually an award that I've ever heard of before. Uh, It's the All Deaf Movie Awards, D-E-F. And uh, Tom Cruise won for the most out-of-place white person in a movie. (laughs) Oh, that that was funny. But, I mean, the true story was it was a French soldier who was also white and uh so that was actually uh, i don't know why it won an award 14 years after (laughs) there have to have been other movies where white people were just put out of place into a movie i know there were i know there were (laughs) i don't know that's that's the best one that's the best award that uh it received in my opinion uh but it did win movie of the year at, at the afi awards the american film institute i just think it was a beautifully done film the scenery, the the uniforms uh, of the samurai, it was really beautiful. The cinematography was great. I mean, Edward Zwick did a really great job with this. I mean, this is a man that has done movies like Legends of the Fall um, and others. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I do know it. I know what else he did. He did Legends of the Fall, Shakespeare in Love, Courage Under Fire. Um, there was something else that was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the Siege. He, I mean, he produced a lot of stuff. Where's the director? Director Accolades. Blood Diamond, Pawn Sacrifice, which is newer. Jack Reacher. So he's worked with uh, Tom Cruise a few times. Glory. There we go. You, you see, if you watch Glory and then you watch Last Samurai, you can see some of the direction. Uh, is is fairly similar with that. So, I mean, this was, it it had a good cast. It had a good um, support from producers and and directors. The writing, uh, Zwick actually helped with the writing as well. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that far off from the true story like other films uh, in Hollywood would be when it's based on something that's uh, factual. So actually, you know, Hollywood, you didn't do too bad with this one. It's just, it's not all true, but we actually don't even know all of the details of of the actual history and what's actually true or not. You know, as they said in Braveheart, um, history is made up by those who hang heroes. So, you know, we don't know everything. And uh, who knows which side was correct? Probably neither. Or maybe they both had their own validity. So that's the Hollywood lies for this time. Or this, that's, <laughs> this is for... This episode of Hollywood Lies. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I did actually do a lot of research, and uh, I hope it came off well. <laughs> I know I don't talk very well sometimes. I kind of bounce all over the place. I, I take notes. Or I took notes with this one, uh, as well as I did with the last one, and with all the the DC, the big and smallville episodes. I, I take notes in order to keep myself on track. But uh, I do go off notes quite a bit, and then I end up circling back. Also, when I'm taking notes and I'm reading and from different sources, I end up writing things that aren't chronologically correct. So I go back and forth. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. All right, I, uh, I hope you're okay with that. I hope you learned a little something. It's, a, it's an interesting history, and it's something to look into. But there's not a lot of it, so I, maybe I went through everything. <laughs> I don't know. That can't be true. I think people actually wrote books about it. Um, and most of my uh, my resources are from online articles. So, but not Wikipedia. I didn't do that. Just so you know. And uh, that's it. Until next time. Uh, thank you for listening to this uh, this crazy, crazy, crazy podcast that's all over the place. 
And I mean, we're almost two years in now and uh, I'm still feeling like I I'm, I'm running with the training wheels. Um, yes, I said that correctly. Um, that's exactly what I meant. Running with training wheels. I'm, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I don't know if this isn't for you. Check out for reels with, uh, myself and dips. That's a good, uh, that's a good podcast. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with that one and, uh, putting a lot of time and effort into it. And I'm very excited. We're, I'm very excited. Uh, so is dips actually, we're actually recently, we've been doing an episode every week and, um, that still holds true. We're, we're recording tonight, the same night as the release of this one. And, um, yeah, I think we're, we're just having a really great time with it. We're doing some film reviews. Um, and every once in a while we're doing some games just so it's, you know, we kind of break it up a little bit. We were going to do games more, but then we found that just talking about movies and just reviewing newer movies, older movies was a lot of fun and kind of broke it up. You know, it's, it's hard preparing for these games, you know, it, at least to make it interesting. So it's, it's better just to break it up and, you know, we have a couple of things coming up with some guests. So look forward to that. Uh, we are. And uh, with this podcast, with No Green Eggs, we're going to continue with uh, some more writing, I guess, maybe next week. Uh, if not, some more DC news. Uh, actually, probably DC news. We're going to see uh, uh, Black Adam this Saturday. So I'll probably talk a little bit about that without giving some spoilers away. Um, follow me on No Green Eggs Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Leave some comments if you feel like uh, you want to support the podcast. Please feel free to give. You can do that on anchor.fm. There's a way to donate or uh, to um, support the podcast. And I also have a Patreon, but I'm not, I haven't really done anything with that yet. So just stick with anchor.fm. If you can't do it monetarily, just reach out. Say hello. I'll, uh, you know, if you have some questions, I'll, I'll answer them on, uh, on an episode of the podcast and uh, tell people about it. That'd be great. That'd be a lot of help. I appreciate all of you. Thank you again. And uh, until next time, see you, not see you.